Attention SLPs and OTs with existing private practices. Are you ready to level up your private practice and your life and make this your breakthrough year? If so, join us for Make More in 2024, a free training offered on Thursday, March 21st at 8 p.m. Eastern to discover how to shift from clinician to CEO. During the training, we'll talk about the importance of maximizing your income, adding revenue streams, setting up systems, and more so that you can ultimately work smarter and build a successful, sustainable, and sellable business. To sign up, just visit growyourprivatepractice.com backslash training. Don't miss the chance to learn how to effectively navigate the growth phase of the private practice journey. See you on the training. Madeline Bow is a speech-language pathologist who works in both Wisconsin and Minnesota in a private practice that she started so that she could offer outside-of-the-box services. In addition to traditional speech therapy services, she also offers hippotherapy, which happens on horses and has families traveling for her services. Madeline got her start in my program, the Start Your Private Practice program, and this is a wonderful example of a student who created a private practice that is perfect for her and her community. So stay tuned. I'm Jenna Castro-Casbon, speech-language pathologist, business coach, and creator of the Start Your Private Practice system. And I'm on a mission to turn stuck SLPs into successful private practitioners. If you're tired of dealing with high productivity requirements, high caseload sizes, and low pay, it's time to take control of your professional, personal, and financial life and finally get the freedom flexibility, and financial abundance that you deserve by working with private clients in your own practice. Join me here each week as I share tips, best practices, and inspirational interviews on the Private Practice Success Stories podcast. If you're a private practitioner or one in the making, you're in the right place, so let's get started. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while, hopefully you've picked up on a few themes. One is that I showcase regular SLPs who turned into successful private practitioners. Every single person who has appeared on this podcast started with a dream, and then they started with one client and kept going. As you listen to the episodes, I want you to listen for similarities between you and the guests and realize that if they can do it, you can do it too. Another thing that I want to highlight is that there are a lot of different ways to have a private practice and to be in private practice. I used to think that there was only one way to have a private practice, that you had to have a brick and mortar clinic, employees, multidisciplines, be older and have a ton of experience in the field, maybe even being an expert, and the list goes on and on. This podcast serves as proof that none of that is true. Your private practice could look like that, but I'm also showing you that it doesn't have to. Your private practice can be whatever you want it to be and whatever you make it. Your private practice is meant to serve your clients and you too. So if you're thinking about starting, create something that you want and be careful not to replicate what you had in old jobs that you didn't like. Remember, there's no such thing as a perfect private practice, only one that's perfect for you. Today's guest, Madeline Bow, 
joined my program, the Start Your Private Practice program, while she was working at a school. Like I teach my students in the program, she started on the side and then grew from there. What sets Madeline apart from other guests that I've had on the podcast is the service delivery model that she offers, hippotherapy. If you go way back in the podcasts, I had another guest, Kelly Warren Jewett, back in December of 2018, who also discussed her hippotherapy practice. Maybe this is something you want to do too, or maybe it's not. But the lesson is here that you can start a private practice that plays to your strengths and interests and offer something outside of the box. So let's hear Madeline's story. As you listen, listen for similarities between she and you. And remember, if she can do it, you can do it too. So before we dive in, can you please share your name, your location, and the name of your private practice? My name is Madeline Bowe. I'm located in Western Wisconsin near Minneapolis, St. Paul. And the name of my practice is Unbridled Abilities. So I am so excited, listeners, to have Madeline here today for this interview because she has a different kind of a private practice or she offers some different things, which we're going to learn about in just a little bit. But before we learn about what her private practice looks like now, can you please share a little bit about your journey, like, you know, in the beginning stages of you becoming a speech pathologist before you started thinking about private practice? Yeah, so I graduated in 2018. And I was able to do my clinical rotations anywhere in the country. So I landed in Phoenix, which was exciting being from the Midwest to have some mountains in my backyard. But when I went to go look for a job, I always pictured myself in a clinic similar to what's in grad school um, programs, like an outpatient clinic where I had a little room and a toy closet. And that was not the case in Phoenix. It was really hard to find a job that wasn't home health. So being a new grad, that was really intimidating for me. And I was able to find a clinic that didn't provide services just through home health. They also had a location. And then at that location, we were able to use hippotherapy in our practice, as well as there was a pool that we could use to to throw in some water therapy as well. So... We stayed in Phoenix for a while. I finished my CF there. And then my husband and I decided to move back to the Midwest. Um, I landed in a school job and I serviced elementary and high school and um, the private school that we contract with as a district. And I did that for two years. And then I started seeing clients on the side. I had a family friend ask me, if I could help service her little boy. It was actually somebody I babysat as a, as a college student. It was kind of funny timing because I invested in your program and it's like she knew that. <laughs> she, I was providing services the next week. So I just sped through the modules and I felt like I had to get everything done, but I just met him at the library and we did our tick therapy and it was great. And then I slowly started to build private after school clients. I think I got up to about five, which doesn't sound like a lot, but on top of a full-time job, it was a lot. And I kind of knew I had to jump or I just, I mean, I could ramp up in the summer, but then I'd have to scale back again in the fall. So I decided to make the jump. I finished up my school contract last spring. And so this summer has been my first, first time, full-time private practice on my own. 
I love it. Congratulations, first of all, right? Like, you know, just the timing on these these things. What we're talking about lately on the podcast are people who have built their private practices in the middle of a global pandemic, right? So we have people who, you know, had, you know, regular jobs, you started seeing some clients on the side and you started to gain traction, right? So there's all these people who ask me like, Jenna, are you sure that now is still a good time to have a private practice? <laughs> so Madeline is proof that yes, it is still a good time to, to have a private practice. I just want to go back real quick because your, your current practice, you also offer hippotherapy, right? Yes. So that okay. was a big draw to doing private practice. I wanted to get that back in, um, cool. in my clinical life for sure. Because before, when you were working at the clinic in Phoenix, were you like, did you have a background with horse riding or did you like, tell us, tell us how that connection started to like happen. So I've loved horses since I could walk, talk since I've been little. Um, and then in college, I wanted to pursue a certification in adaptive riding when I was probably 13. I didn't have my own horse and there was a facility that provided those services. And I was able to help out there in order to earn time riding or grooming. And for me, just being around the horses was enough. And I really liked um, the services they provide. It wasn't a therapist. It was just people helping um, children of all ability levels. And I saw a lot of different diagnoses. I saw my first glimpse at AAC and sign language. And so that kind of brought me into the field of speech language pathology. And then in college, I pursued that certification just to teach children of all ability levels horseback riding skills, um, which gave me a lot of confidence in making sure everything is done safely as I moved into practice as a speech therapist using the tool, the training through the American Hippotherapy Association, you have to at least be a graduate student. So I wasn't able to pursue that until later on, but I did it during my CF and I'm continuing to do training with them. And I love it. I love being outside. The kids love the horses. They don't even realize that they're working on their goals sometimes. So um, that was definitely a big push for me to go full-time to be able to provide that service here and, and just be on my feet more and not so much in a clinic room. Well, I love it. And, and listeners, this is one of the types of people I like to interview are people who are having like outside of the box kind of therapies, right? Because one of the big reasons why I have this podcast is to show people that there are lots of different ways to have a private practice. So as you're listening to Madeline talk about, you know, how she started on the side, worked her way up to five clients. And then that being able to offer hippotherapy was one of the reasons why she wanted to go private. Like, how cool is that? So think about what some of your interests are and if you can have those be part of your private practice. Okay. So Madeline, take us to the part where you decided, you know what, I'm going to leave the schools. I've got my five clients on the side. And how did you really make that decision to like end the school contract and, or, you know, end whatever contract you were a part of and then move into private practice full time. Yeah. I, um, I loved my kids on my caseload. So it was a really tough decision. I mean, any school therapist knows you get attached to them. And I loved being in the school because I felt like I had more of a mentorship role there. Um, versus when I was an outpatient and just saw them for an hour, I loved seeing them in the hallways. I loved knowing the families a little bit more. Um, but my caseload just kept growing and growing and growing. And <laughs> there's no end in sight. I talked to, um, you know, my supervisors and I said, I'm not providing ethical therapy, I'm not providing ethical therapy. I don't have time. Um, and just 
there was no answer. And so I, I got really frustrated in the schools because I felt like the quality of my work didn't matter. Um, as school therapists know, a lot of times it's how many years have you practiced, you know, or your level of education and it's a grid and that's your salary. And so I, I felt like that bred an environment of mediocrity, which just didn't, it, it didn't motivate me. It didn't make me want to get up. It was hard, but we live in a small community. So I still get to see some of those kids. But I think my final straw was I got an eval put on my desk and I was, <laughs> I just, oh, and I was like, this is somebody's kid. I can't be uh, <laughs> about somebody's kid. And I knew that wasn't me and that's not who I wanted to be. And so my husband actually took, <laughs> took my phone. I sent my resignation on my phone. I didn't even type up a long email and he just took it and <laughs> send one night um, after I had it typed up. And I, I definitely haven't looked back. I think a good buffer for school therapists that are looking to transition is at least my district had the option to spread out our pay over 12 months versus the nine months that you're working. So I did have that summer buffer, which was, um, which was a blessing just because then I was able to work really hard in the summer and, and create a little bit more of a buffer moving forward versus just getting cut off cold. That's a great strategy, right? Because I think that is one of the concerns that people say, right? They say, well, I, I, you know, I can't just quit my job. And I'm like, well, yeah, I don't want, I don't want anyone to just, you know, quit your job if you don't have alternative sources of income or, or whatever. Right. So that's a great way to kind of, you know, float some extra money while you are building your practice. Okay. Tell folks, what is your private practice like these days? So right now um, I am doing a lot of speech therapy using hippotherapy. So I'm at the barns, I'm here in Wisconsin. And so we have seasons and <laughs> our season doesn't last all year, unfortunately. Um, so I'm really trying to capitalize on the weather right now. I work with two barns. One is more towards Minneapolis, St. Paul. So I draw from the cities and one is in River Falls, Wisconsin, which is where I live. And that draws from more rural areas. And it's really fun because I meet a good mix of families. But the way my practice looks right now is I pay an hourly rental fee for the horses, the facility, and then the barns provide a horse leader. So somebody to walk the horse around that is confident in that aspect. Um, and I provide the therapy, obviously. And then I provide a sidewalker to help keep the child safe if needed. Um, I've been able to tap into graduate students for that, which has been really fun. So they get some exposure to the treatment tool, but I'm on a pretty set schedule with the barns and it's just like a rental fee um, hourly. And then I'm continuing to do home health type clients, which is kind of that model from Phoenix I talked about earlier. Um, and I'm going to families' homes or different community locations, depending on on their goals. And that's been great to continue as well. And that's something I would assume that you would also continue um, in the months when you're not able to do hippotherapy. Yeah. My original goal was for my hippotherapy clients to transition to home health clients, but it's been amazing where the draw is from. It's not quite logical for me to <laughs> me to drive all over the cities. Um, so I'm still kind of figuring that piece out, but I do have some in my immediate vicinity that I'll be able to service all year long. Yeah, that's perfect. And I think that what you're highlighting too is just, you know, flexibility, right? Like thinking about like how to be flexible for families being flexible for yourself. And then also kind of, you know, putting some boundaries in place to say like, you know, 
yes, the, these folks are coming from all over to see me in the barns, which which makes sense. But it perhaps does it make sense to have you go see them all over the place, like in your car during the winter, right? You know, obviously telepractice is an option, which you you know may or may not be interested in doing. But I think that it's really good for people to keep your options open and realize that you can you can also try something and say, eh, you know what, I'm not going to do that next winter or or whatever you want to do, right? Yeah, I think that's the coolest part that I'm in charge of making the decisions. And that still takes me a while sometimes to realize. Um, But families have been a great source of ideas of what to do next, because I've just said to them, I'm new. What do you, what do you need? You know, what, how can we make this work? And I've had moms suggest, let's do a monthly outing for AAC users. We could go to a trampoline park and meet there. I would have never thought of that on my own. And so just talking to your families and seeing what the need is, and just being flexible and creative that way has been has been really fun. Yeah, and that's also about thinking outside the box, right? Like in what other setting would you really be like asking families, "Hey, what do you need?" and then making it happen, right? Usually you might ask a family what what you need and then your hospital or school or whatever says, "Oh, no, you can't do that." <laughs> right? So it's kind of, there's a lot of freedom in private practice to be able to say, wow, like, yeah, I didn't, I, you know, maybe I didn't know that was a need or, Hey, that's really cool. And yeah, we can actually make that happen, especially because a lot of times um, clients may be part of communities, right? Where they know, you know, other AAC users who might be interested in doing that kind of a thing. Right. So I think that that's really cool to tap into your community as a source of ideas, which could also potentially lead to like more referrals. Right. Definitely. Moms have been a great source. Once I once I got a little pocket of clients, it took off from there, which I had a goal. One of the barns I partnered with gave me four slots this summer. And um, families could try it in either three weeks, six week or nine week interval. And I just told my husband, I said, I want to fill these four slots and I won't be a failure. I just want to fill these four slots. And I tripled that. So, so families, word of mouth is very powerful. Yeah. And especially if you're, you know, one of the few people who are offering a type of service, right? It doesn't matter what kind of service it is. It it could be, it could be this, it could be, you know, um, gender affirming voice. It could be uh, childhood apraxia of speech. I don't know, but it, it doesn't, you know, if you kind of are one of the only people in an area doing something and then, you know, people are willing to come far and from far and wide. And they're also willing to talk about you, right? That everybody wants word of mouth. Right. Like, oh, I want, you know, I want word of mouth marketing. Well, in order to get word of mouth marketing, you have to do something worth talking about. Right. You need people to tell people about you. And so it seems like you've also really tapped into to that ability to network and to market your practice. Yeah, I I got a little discouraged. I'm not a big Facebook person to begin with, but I tried to tap into some you know, autism groups, moms groups, and people on the internet can be mean. (laughs) And it was a little discouraging. But once you find your people, and once you can get in front of them, and when you, you know, you meet your true clients that are sincerely seeking a service, I think it takes off. And I I was frustrated when I was in the school. And I was like, I just want to grow, I want to grow. But looking back, I don't know if I could have handled more than I had. So I I think just trusting the timing is important too. Yeah, 
Totally. So, you know, as, as at the time of this recording, we're kind of winding down summer and heading into the fall, right? And so you've already mentioned some seasonality related to doing hippotherapy. What do you see as the next like six months or year of your practice now that you're working in it full time? So that's a good question. Like I said, I've been talking to families. I would love to provide some of those unique groups, whether it be a life skills group or, you know, a meetup at a trampoline park, like the one mom suggested. And, you know, that wouldn't be as regular of a thing, but a monthly group, maybe. I've looked into doing some telehealth and I've also toyed around one mom is really interested in me coming to their home to provide services, but it's a little, it'd be pretty far for me to drive. So I've toyed around with looking at expanding to another practitioner, but that's in the very early, early stages. But I think, like I said, I do have that network a little further than I can reach myself in my car, but um, I'd love to look at expanding that. I know we tapped into um, the small business development center in our community and I'm taking an entrepreneurial course this fall. And so I'm hoping they can help me with a business plan and just have more brains to, to work with and to spit ideas back and forth with. I love that. Yeah. Listeners, there's lots of those kind of services that are either free or cheap in a lot of areas, right? There's the one that Madeline mentioned. Also, um, score.org is another um, source sometimes of classes and stuff. And again, sometimes they're they're free or they're they're inexpensive, and it's a good way to get additional you know business you know information and knowledge and whatnot. And yes, use use connections right and having you know different ideas to bounce off of people. So it sounds like you may also be heading in the director uh, the direction rather of maybe hiring like a contractor or maybe an employee or someone else who can see folks in areas that you can't get to, right? That is definitely a good next step to consider once you've kind of maxed out what you can do either based on your time or your geography. So, you know, folks, as you're listening, if you're like, oh, wow, yeah, I can totally see how you would get to the point where, you know, there's only so many hours right? That you can either serve your clients or there's only so many hours where you can be in one place at one time or, you know, whatever. And so, yeah, that's a great thing. And, you know, there may be other people who also are interested in hippotherapy or there may be people who aren't, right? And you can have them be doing kind of like the, you know, regular therapy, the home health kind of therapy, you know, when you are back in the barns as soon as the weather permits. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely the goal. And I think that number of clients, when you're in the school setting, at least your caseload's so big. So I'm like 20 clients. I got 20 clients. That's not a problem. But with the administration side, adding drive time, um, and then I'm usually spending you know more time with with the families. It's usually an hour session versus in the school, you know, a 20 minute session. Yeah, your cap gets hit a lot faster than you think it will. Yeah. If you were, you know, school SLPs listening, right? 20 clients sounds like a dream, right? When, when, when most people have, you know, 60, 75, a hundred, you know, or more on their caseload, right? But the, you do have to figure in things like time for documentation and time for billing and time for marketing and those kind of things. But the trade-off is, is that in private practice, every client you see is like an additional revenue source, right? Or, you know, it's a way to, if you want to make more money, you see more clients, right? 
versus in the schools, you know, they, the administration just keeps putting more and more clients on your caseload. And it's not like you make more money if you have like, you know, 60 versus 80 or more students to follow, right? Yeah. That's yeah. definitely what's on the school system. Yeah. You got to follow the steps, right? So, so that's definitely, you know, one of the things that Madeline has done is just, is to think outside the box when it comes to earning also, right? So do you have any, you know, other things that you want to make sure that you mention or, you know, pieces of advice to someone who might be listening, who's like, wow, this is really interesting. I would love to do something like this. I think if anybody's looking to provide a unique service, even if it's not directly speech therapy, like I said, a life skills course, a, I don't know, nature class, um, working with the populations that we're experts in through being speech therapists, there's a lot of funding sources out there that can kind of skirt you around insurance. I have found out about those through my families. They'll come to me and they kept saying the waiver, I'll pay for it. The waiver's got it. And so I just had them sort of lead me there. But insurance is definitely something I had toyed around with and still, you know, am toying around with. But I'm private pay at this time. And um, yeah, those waiver programs are awesome. (laughs) So if your state has anything similar and you're looking to do something outside the box, they will only cover it for the families, but they will kind of advertise for you, which is huge. And just getting, getting your name out there. And if it's coming from somebody they trust, their case manager, that credibility comes with that too. Yeah. So that's, that's a great point too, right? Is not only can you offer outside of the box types of therapy, but you can also think outside of the box when it comes to funding, right? So you're, you're thinking about, you know, private pay is an option. Insurance may or may not be an option, but you're right. They have different like funding sources, different scholarship programs, different sort of ways to get waivers. And sometimes that can cover the therapy services for kids who who apply and you know get accepted or whatever. So that's a great great thing to be thinking about. Well, I think this was fantastic. I love always love listening to people who have figured out a way to follow their dreams, right? And so back when you were in Phoenix and you had you know were doing your CF and you were you know doing hypotherapy there and maybe some aquatic therapy. At that time, did, were you thinking about private practice or was did that come later? It's always been kind of in my mind. We never had anything about it in grad school at all. I think everybody was just so focused on getting through, getting their C's. But I've always kind of had that, I don't know, outside the box spirit. And I I figured I would do it in some way, but I definitely just pictured, you know, your typical clinic, three disciplines, you go in, you know, there's waiting room. Um, And so it's really cool to be able to have it this way and just to have the freedom that comes with it. Well, I think that what you're doing is absolutely incredible, right? Not only for the families that you're serving, but also for yourself, right? Tell people who are listening, you know, what are some of the the pluses that this has offered you and your family? I think the main thing is my husband's sanity (laughs) in the school. I was, I was on edge. Um, And so I think just having joy in my day-to-day interactions and my stress levels gone down and just the relationships I get to have with the families and how we're able to immerse ourselves in the community some more has been really enjoyable. I love being outside and I'm able to do that. Even if I'm working my home health gigs, um, we're on slip and slides where, you know, I'm in leggings. (laughs) It's 
great. Um, and the families appreciate that realness too. And, and then I get to be home and enjoy things with my family. It's great for families to not have to lose a spot on a wait list if they miss, you know, and have to go back to the wait list if they miss three sessions or if I'm sick, they're sick. Just having those human interactions versus, you know, you miss three times, you're out, I think is beneficial for everybody. Yeah. I love it. Well, thank you so much, Madeline, for sharing your story. Where can our listeners learn more about you either, you know, on the internet, on social media, where can they find you? We have a Facebook page. Um, it's Unbridled Abilities LLC. And then we also have a website, which is just www.unbridledabilities.com. Excellent. Well, again, thank you so much for sharing your story. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thanks for your time tonight. So how much do you love Madeline and what she's doing? I love folks who think outside of the box and harness their strengths to create opportunities for themselves and their community. If you listen to Madeline's story and you're like, yes, that is what I want to do too, then do it. You can start small and see a few clients on the side, just like she did, and then work up from there. And you can give traditional therapy, unconventional therapy, or both. When you're the boss, you get to decide. And if you want access to the same program and resources that Madeline had to help her get started, make sure that you sign up for the wait list for the Start Your Private Practice program and join as soon as we reopen. We only open enrollment a few times a year, so make sure you're on the list. Head on over to startyourprivatepractice.com backslash waitlist to sign up and get notified as soon as we reopen. Until then, Keep listening, keep getting inspired, and then go do it. You are meant to help people, but don't forget to help yourself too. See you next week. Have been toying with the idea of starting a private practice for some time now. So even being a full-time working mom, it was really nice to have a system that was all set up for me. I didn't have to reinvent the wheel or start from scratch. And I was able to land a client within about the first week and a half of me going public with my private practice. So now I have 12 clients. It is such an invigorating and amazing experience. If you want help to start your speech therapy private practice, then head on over to startyourprivatepractice.com backslash waitlist so that you will be notified as soon as we reopen the doors to the Start Your Private Practice system. Again, that's startyourprivatepractice.com backslash waitlist. I cannot wait to help you start your private practice. Well, this episode might be over, but we don't have to say goodbye. Head on over to independentclinician.com for resources that will help you at each stage of your private practice journey. If you're on Instagram, let's connect. Follow me and send me a DM. I'm at independent clinician. And if you're on Facebook, make sure that you join the SLP and OT Private Practice Beginners Facebook group. All right, off to help more regular SLPs and OTs become successful private practitioners. Let me know if I can help you too.